What's up, everyone? This is Caesar and the Wise Guy Podcast, episode 27. And this is Caesar. And this is the wise guy over here. Hey, yo. Hey, we have a great show coming your way. Lots of NFL free agency signings. We'll get into that, as well as Drew Brees retiring. And in baseball, should MLB get rid of the shift, you know, the infield, the outfield shift? Mm. So Mike, the wise guy, and I will definitely debate that. And finally, are the refs in the NBA getting out of hand? A lot of technical calls being made. And just to let you guys know, you can watch us now. We'll upload some video content for our show. So stay tuned on social media. You can find us on Twitter at Caesar and Wise Guy, YouTube and Instagram as well. Now it's time to get on with the show. All right, let's set it off. I hope everybody's doing well out there. Thanks for listening, and thank you for following, as always. Let's get on with the show with NFL Free Agency. It's been a splash, and of course, New England went big on the first day in free agency, and they had a lot of money to spend. Lots of money. Of course, they went big. (laughs) Lots of money. If you think New England was doing this because of the whole Brady versus Bilicek whole rivalry thing, then you're just one of those typical fans. Because this was the whole genius behind the organization and Belichick because they had the money to spend this year. Took them long enough. Even though Tampa... Yeah, even though Tampa reloaded and they're running it back again, they got Shaq Barrett and Levante David and Brady extended his contract and all that good stuff. They're running it back again, but this had nothing to do with Brady and Tampa. This had something to do with the Patriots being able to spend more money than they have in God knows how long. They reloaded with two star tight ends, Jonu Smith, Hunter Henry. They got some great defensive pieces in Jalen Mills. Bills and Judon from the yeah. Ravens. I and mean, the Hunter, the this Hunter was Henry all signing, about the, no one saw that tight end signing coming up, especially for the type of deal that he got. Yes, it, it, I'm a freaking Jets fan, and this was all about the genius and their insanity that's going on. There were just some huge, big free agent signings. It was tough for me as a Jets fan to watch that, but at least we got like Corey Davis. I mean, we got Lawson, who is an underrated edge. We overpaid a little bit for him, but don't forget he was a first round pick, so he'll fit in nicely. So we filled some needs, but it was tough to watch that as a Jets fan. Yeah. And a lot of free agent signings and most latest one, especially going on for the uh, San Francisco 49ers. They got Trent Williams, six years, 138 million. He's a highest paid offensive lineman in NFL history. So that says a lot about the dedication that they want. They He's 32 years old, so he's literally signed up until he's 38. You never see this happen. You probably won't see it again. And if so, it won't be for a long time. <laughs> But this, to me, is an obvious sign. (laughs) They're not going to have enough money for Bosa. Ah, come on. (laughs) But this is an obvious sign to me that the 49ers were were trying to outbid somebody. Somebody really, another team really wanted Trent Williams and they had to pay extra money for him. So you're kind of right when it comes to that. Like, how are they going to pay other players? Like when it comes to Bosa, but Bosa's probably another year or two before you really have to pay him. So yeah. He only allowed one sack in like over 600 plays or something like that. He was a huge pickup for you and a lot of re-signings for you guys as well. Chicago, I mean, they tagged A-Rob, which I, mm-hmm. that was tough for me to see. I wanted right. Allen Robinson on the Jets 
but free A-Rob, by the way, free A-Rob. <laughs> and they made a huge offer to Russell Wilson, I heard. They offered the boatload. Yeah, they're offering First starters. Pick, some star <laughs> Yeah, man. Some starters. The Seahawks were like, no, nah, I'm not interested. So they just ended up with going the other way and saying, oh, we'll just sign Andy Dalton then. <laughs> I don't know how they went from Russell Wilson to Andy Dalton to patch things up. Yeah, <laughs> that's going to be tough for Bears fans. Yeah, I don't know either. This is sticking along with the 49ers. As you can tell, I'm a 49ers fan. Uh, my favorite signing actually it was Kyle Juszczyk, the juice. Five years, $27 million. He hit free agency and a lot of 49ers that's fans were a little concerned. That's a lot for a fullback. <laughs> Hey, and he plays well with the Shanahan system. I think he that's knows a lot for a full for a fullback. I mean, he is basically the running game. The times were juice check or the juice. The times he was injured, our running game kind of slowed down. So it's a big signing for the 49ers. Looking definitely forward to that. Look, we got to talk about the Houston Texans, right? Okay, now. I was just about to get into that. Word yeah. on the street. Yeah, man. Word on the street is Deshaun Watson. <laughs> Where is he going to end up? There are allegations going on right now. Oh, man. That he sexually assaulted somebody. That can't be true. They got to be out to get him. He's a good guy. Come on, perfect, man. Perfect timing, right? Perfect timing for the allegations. And he Absolutely. posted on social media. You know, he said he's innocent. He's going to fight this. Just Absolutely. another hurdle he has to overcome. Um, so, mm-hmm. and this sucks because I can't say or he say is it's not a, going to play for the Texans. I believe that he will sit right, out the 2021 yeah. season. And they got Tyrod Taylor just for that reason. They got a good veteran in Tyrod Taylor with some mobility. And they signed him for a pretty decent price to take that position just in case Deshaun Watson sits out. So. Yeah, what's going to happen is it's going to unfortunately create a hurdle. It may make some teams reluctant to invest because they're kind of bringing on that supposed baggage. Like I said, I can't sit here and say this is 100% untrue. First times these allegations first started coming through. I mean, it happens everywhere. It happens in politics. But- it's one of those things where it makes you kind of question the timing of it. It's like, who is out trying to get him? Is this someone from the Houston organization just trying to get back at him? But now from the rumors that I've heard, teams he's interested right now is mainly the 49ers and the Broncos. I think the Jets no longer a strong point. This yeah. is just a rumor. We can't prove that. But it's going to be interesting to see where this guy's going to land. Or man. the Dolphins, right? Yeah. We'll see what happens. And for now, Russell Wilson, as well as staying in Seattle, we'll see what happens with that uh, carousel going on with the quarterbacks. And we will keep you updated on that sports yep, buzz. For sure. In the meantime, talking about a quarterback, one who has been in the league for 20 years. It's sad to see him leave the NFL. Drew Brees. Oh, yeah. First ballot Hall of Famer. Absolutely. The question is, is he a top five, top 10, top 15 quarterback in your mind? Yeah, that is a good question. Let me give you a couple of stats right here. I was just digging around, obviously. First in pass yards of all time, over 80,000. First in completions, uh, well over 7,000. First in completion percentage, 67.7, almost 68%, which is beautiful. Second in passing touchdowns to obviously the GOAT. Tom Brady. There you go. He's a 13-time Pro Bowler. He's a Super Bowl MVP and a two-time Offensive Player of the Year. His resume continues to go on. Is he a top five all-time quarterback in your mind? I think if you're speaking just with, I mean, look at the passing yards. He's retiring, you know, I guess number one in passing yards, obviously maybe getting passed up pretty soon. So it's one of those things. He'll be a great analyst on TV. Oh yeah. He's got a lot of information to give out. 
for somebody his size, I mean, undersized, kind of like Russell Wilson, to still have success, I mean, that's almost unheard of. The fact that, you know, how he drops back and he kind of has to like lift his head up just to see over the, the offensive lineman. So, I mean, that takes a lot of gut, a lot of will, and to know exactly where your receivers are going to be. So he's had a lot of talent around him. And now, you know, looking back at his career, I mean, he was just a fantasy lock for a good stretch of time for fantasy football. That was the guy to get. You can never go wrong with Drew Brees, especially on, oh, during yeah. his heydays with the Saints. His 2009 year, his 2011 yeah. year, throwing for 5,000 yards, 4,000 yards, 40, 50 touchdowns. Yeah. He, so you could make the argument for top five. Maybe he's not my top five. I've definitely got to put him in the top 10. But Drew Brees, you know, definitely has to be up there. And I and I think he's going to really be successful with things we signed with NBC Sports. He's going to do some uh, color commentary, kind of like a Tony Romo. He's a leader. He's got great charisma. Yeah. Sure. Especially mm-hmm. the way he announced his retirement. He had his kids literally in sequence, pretty much one by one, announce his retirement while they're sitting on the couch. So, you know, you got to definitely put him up there for sure. It was a good time for him to retire. I think he has, he had a great career. I think he has a great future as an analyst ahead of him. So it, it was just a great time for him. And Winston is going to take over the Saints offense. They have Winston and Taysom, the overpaid Taysom Hill. Luckily, they restructured his contract avoidable, and it's voidable. Avoidable so. contract. A four-year voidable contract, yeah. which is unheard of. This new reconstruction <laughs> of contract that's going on in NFLs, allowing owners and agents to be a little more creative. But I've never heard. I mean, the fact that you can call it a contract for Taysom Hill, right? I mean, I don't, don't know. Don't call but it a contract. <laughs> don't call it a contract. Exactly. So don't call it a contract. We've been here for years. <laughs> there you go. All right, man. Look, I had enough of the NFL. Major signings. Drew Brees retired. And we also have a draft coming up. Trevor Lawrence is going to be the first pick as the quarterback. Jets have the second pick. Still not sure what they're going to do with it. And I'm a huge Jets fan. (laughs) So we'll see what happens to Darnold. Yeah, what's going to happen with Sam Darnold? Things are still up in the air. I don't know. (laughs) Lots of free agents signings still coming up. We're going to keep you updated. Caesar and the Wise Guy Sports. Let's get into some baseball. Yeah. All right. This is your forte. Big C's. (laughs) Um, Should Major League Baseball ban the shift? Ban the defensive shift. Now, look, everybody, let me just tell you, baseball isn't my forte. I love basketball. I mean, I do everything. I'm I'm a jack of all trades, master of none. (laughs) But uh, I hate the shift as much Mm. as anyone. Mm-hmm. But players should be able to adjust to hit the entire field, professional baseball players, and not be predictable to hit one side of the field, force through the shift every time, at least. Plus, homers beat the shift all day. All day. Over the wall. <laughs> that- that is logic. And I'm all for offense and more excitement in the game. Don't get me wrong. Let's juice those balls, man. It would be interesting to ban the defensive shift because that would also create more offense, possibly more strikeouts too. I don't know. But Lindor. Francisco um, Lindor. Recently, yes. Who should be paid a huge contract pretty soon. He's probably one who's next up for a tremendous contract, but shortstop for the Mets. He claimed on a debate about the shifts. He was like, we need to cut the shifts down. He was like, let me make the crazy play. So what he's saying is he wants to make the fancy high risk play instead of during the shift, making the safe play. So it's like saying you can't double team Mm -hmm. a star receiver in football, basically. 
I mean, as much as I hate the shift, that's <laughs> that's not okay because right. a player should be able to just like swing the bat the other way and adjust to the shift. Well, <laughs> Wouldn't you I mean, agree? I mean, you would think so, but you think about it, the thing we most remember about baseball, remember when we used to look forward to, we still kind of look forward to top plays, ESPN top 50 plays. There is a crap load of them. There is a huge amount of plays. And then there's still great plays, diving catches in the outfield. You can never go wrong with that. You're always going to see somebody, you know, steal a home run. That's all fine and dandy. But what's missing, what's been minimized are those great diving plays at shortstop, just like Lindor said. Technically, you can't really prove exactly where the batter is going to hit. They do it by analytics. They relay the signal. You got to stand here. You got to stand at this part of the infield. They check the notes. You see a lot of times, especially compared to five or 10 years ago, you see the dugout coaches. Hey, you got to move over here. And it's like if I was a player, I would find it more of a headache to really have to adjust on every single player. You used to before all this was being implemented, you used to rely more on like instinct, right? It's like, oh, I know this guy. He tends to pull it more to the left or to the the right and you would kind of just move over towards that direction but it wasn't a huge these shifts right now these days are just ridiculous i mean the third baseman is playing at the second base spot third baseman is over at the shortstop there's four outfielders i mean there's it's going ridiculous like okay i see that they're trying to adjust they're trying well, to make that's sure. the next thing right they're trying to make sure that the guy that's what's gets gonna happen out. next you're gonna tell them they can't even get on the grass <laughs> right okay so i i do see the argument where you say okay yeah they need to adjust, getting more wins. Okay, I see that part, but it's actually taken away from the excitement of the game because who wants to see a tailor-made ground ball double play from a shortstop who's playing up the middle or the third baseman playing, you know, partly in the outfield near second base. I mean, it's so frustrating to me, especially when you see your favorite player. You know, you're a big Aaron Judge fan. How would you like to see Aaron Judge hit a line drive to some dude in the outfield or in the near the infield and just snag his ball? And it's like, you always see the reaction on on the player frustrated when they're running down the first baseline. They're like, I would oh, like come to on. see Aaron Judge hit it the other way. But but that's not Aaron like Judge's to see game. Aaron Judge hit it the but other you way. See, not you see Aaron Judge's shift. swing. How many times has Aaron Judge purposely went right field? You know, he's a right-handed batter. Oppo, my no one wants everyone wants to see Aaron Judge crush home runs, 50 plus home runs every year over the great. But for the most part, they're gonna have some line drives to some outfield or some infielder where they shouldn't technically be there if you're like an old school baseball fan like myself. They used to actually not be there. You used to see, especially when you hit a line drive up the middle, that was always an automatic hit. Now it's being snagged. You know, batters are disappointed. So it's just like, I want to see more excitement in the game, man. I agree with you, though. I mean, I do hate the shift. I don't think it should be banned completely, but I do think it should be cut down quite a bit. Yeah. And then they're experimenting in the minor leagues now. They're trying to see how this yeah, will work. They are. I think it'll kind of be similar to like hockey and soccer where you're there's like an invisible line. You're not supposed to be standing at this part of the infield. Maybe they won't just have. Here's what I'm thinking is going to happen. I think they're just going to get rid of like the exaggerated shifts where you have like the entire infield on the right side. And usually these shifts are more targeted towards for some reason for left handed batters. All of a sudden the camera pans out and you're like, what the heck is this guy standing over there for? But to kind of your point, like you said, okay, players have to adjust. I actually think it is kind of funny. At times, like I guess it depends on who you're cheering for or who you're cheering against. If it's your team that actually lines up correctly, right, against the, the batter's preferred or desired spot, and then they snag a ball from them, it is kind of funny because batters get frustrated. But when it happens to your team's favor, you're like, ah, got him. 
better luck next time. But overall, though, at the end, it, it just feels like to me, you're, you're taking away exciting ground ball, double plays. One famous double play, 2014, Game 7, World Series, Joe Panic, Brandon Crawford, double play, crucial ball. Eric Hosmer hit that ball going towards the outfield. Joe Panic, the second baseman, dove. The greatest double play in the Major League or the most important double play in Major League Baseball history was that Joe Panic because it was Game 7, right? You can't get any better than Game 7 in the World Series. If they actually implemented a shift, it would have just went straight to him. He would have been like, oh, here you go. I just found the ball, tossed it to the shortstop, double play. But this one made it more exciting because he was positioned where the average second base mode would be positioned, so... Right. Well, I think that they're going to put, you know, two guys on each side. They're calling two guys on each side of second base, things like that. So it is going to be a little bit interesting to see how they experiment in the minor leagues. Oh, yeah, for sure. Let's get into some N1. Let's get into some NBA, man. I'm excited about this because things are getting a little bit out of hand right now. The refs are getting out of hand. Things are out of control because multiple players, coaches, even GMs have criticized officials for their egregious calls (laughs) during games. And it's like seriously and significantly impacted the outcomes of the games. It's been during certain points of the game, crucial points of the game. And it's been to star players who people pay a lot of money to come see. I mean, for example, there was that recent Jackson Hayes dunk that I sent you where he was taunting right after that big dunk. He was like, you know, (laughs) putting his hands on his head and just like taunting a little bit. Boom. Technical foul. Yeah, and I think the opponent, he kind of slid like literally seven, eight feet across the floor. Yeah, (laughs) yeah. Kyle Lowry was just throwing the ball cross court to the ref. He got a technical foul, which is very reminiscent of the recent Devin Booker tossing the ball to the ref and another, you know, talking to somebody and another ref coming in and just giving him a couple of technicals and throwing him out of the game. The big one was Trez, Harrell. Just saying, and one as he was driving through the lane, and <laughs> I heard that <laughs> getting into like you get a technical it's, it's foul. Just, for I don't just know saying, why it's like okay, it's bad. It's a bad call, but it's funny when you actually hear the courtside audio, and he, he clearly says and one, and the ref gives <laughs> yeah. him the, the whistle, and he's like, "What? What the tech?" It's Absolutely. like it's, it's so bad um, that sometimes you just gotta laugh that it's that's how bad it is. You know what I mean? It's tough to watch, and I hate the fact that the refs have so much control over the outcome of the game. And the text should only be called when there's overuse of physical activity. And they need to really change what's going on, man. You know, it's tough to watch. Now, yeah, I mean, especially it kind of reminds me of just like it's almost like intentional or they have it where it's, you know, you know, sometimes I go my exaggerated rant with you on text. Oh, the refs are probably getting paid or they're part of sports betting, the mafia. I mean, obviously mm-hmm. I can never prove that, but there have right. been, like I said in a previous podcast, referees in the past who have been involved and admitted that they are involved in sports betting. And now that it's legal as of recently, Absolutely. so it kind of makes you wonder. And what about the Nats and Knicks game? What happened the other day with your boy? Oh, yeah. 
Kyrie obviously hit the ball on Julius Randle. Well, yeah, Julius Randle. That's jumping who it was. up at, in yeah, the yeah. last few seconds to send the game to overtime. They called traveling on Julius Randle. I'm going to be biased and say it should have been a jump ball when it could have been called to travel, you know. But regardless of the fact, let me give you some interesting stats, though, because officiating could have always been this bad. Right now, some people might argue that nothing has actually changed and numbers don't actually lie. It's always been about 20 to 25 fouls per game, couple of techs every season, going back all the way to the 70s, man. Right. Which is pretty interesting. So officiating has always been bad <laughs> that we've no, been dealing with. Right. I just think right now the game's getting a little bit softer because of the type of calls and the type of moments and the stars right. that they're giving them to in crucial times. Right. And they're making it really obvious also. Social media. They, I mean, oh, yeah, everybody's media. putting it out there. <laughs> so. Every moment, like the players could just go there and vent on social media, which magnifies everything. The average person making comments here and there, and it just builds up the whole tension and the frustration. Absolutely. And we have better camera angles nowadays. We can see everything. So like we can see the horrible calls. There needs to be a change. And at the end of the day, we're still human. I understand that there could be mistakes made, but I've never heard of anybody going, man, that ref had a great game tonight. You know, we don't come to see the refs play. We come to see the stars play. I mean, at the end of the day, these refs need to do better at their job and they need to make better calls. You almost got a question, like, where is this arriving from? What's the whole point? Is there a bigger picture to this? Is there a bigger reasoning to this? To me, it's just, I think social media just adds an extra element. But like you said, overall, it's always been bad for the, as far as the officiating goes, especially with the new rules, the replay, slowing things down. Did they go out of bounds? It's just the most important minutes of basketball are the last two to three minutes, right? Happens to be the longest because sure. you get players going to the free throw line constantly. Last three minutes feels like 10, 15 minutes instead. And it almost is, to me, it feels like that's right. the moment where the refs get to dictate more of the outcome of the game. I, I feel like you should leave it a little more to the players. Let them try to dictate the ending of the game. Yeah, maybe if you have to go a little bit old school, find, I don't care. Find you know the refs. <laughs> find refs. Let, let them be the accountable. Refs, man. That's what we got to do is find the refs. Uh, absolutely. Yo, let's yeah. talk about the NBA trade deadline. Oh, yeah, March yeah, yeah. 25th. Sure. There are some big names. Lonzo Ball, the Kyle Lowry roller coaster. He's been big on social media. I'm getting traded. I'm not getting traded. I'm getting traded. I'm not getting traded. So he's been coming on and off. Just huge names. Vucevic from Orlando. John Collins from Atlanta. So a lot of names could be shopped around. It's going to be interesting to see where they're going to go. The Knicks want to get a big name out in New York. Hopefully we can get somebody. Bradley Beal. I would love to see him in New York. But Washington has stated that he's not going anywhere. Where we'll see what happens. I'm I'm really interested to see what names are going to float around the NBA. I'm thinking, like you said, Lonzo Ball, he may get traded. I think that he's shown some improvement. I think obviously because his brother has been kind of showing him up. Lonzo Ball (laughs) came into the league, hyped up, and he hasn't really produced. All of a sudden, you know, his little bro LaMelo Ball is going off. Lonzo's been on fire, man. Yeah, he's kicking up his game. And I think he's playing to more of his potential. And I think part of Lonzo Ball, he he seems like a guy who could be like nonchalant. You see in his face, it doesn't look like he's trying hard. Maybe he thinks he's dope, but he's not. I mean, it's time to step it up a little bit. So I think that team 
teams are interested in him. Hopefully he finds a good landing spot. Harrison Barnes is in the mix. I think so too. He's playing like a solid point guard. Buddy Hill. Mm -hmm. The The Kings Kings are shopping him. Yeah, there's a lot of, I mean, I was kind of yeah. hoping, I'm a I'm a Warriors fan here, so the Warriors had two years to figure something out to really accommodate Steph Curry. I think what happened was, assuming that Klay Thompson was just going to be healthy after he comes back from his leg injury, they didn't really need a big signing. After Cameron Durant left, okay, so they're going to try to get back in the finals, you know, restock a team. But to me, they had a year and a half to two years to just simply sign a big name. And I think right now they're also running out of time as we speak. They're not getting that big name. Yeah, Bill would be awesome. But like you said, I don't think that's going to happen. I think he's going to stay where he's at. This is unfortunate to me because the Warriors right now, yeah, they're not the greatest team. They're seventh, eighth seed type right now. If only Steph Curry, like this is a what if question, like what if he did have another sniper with him, even to accompany Clay Thompson? I think they're one signing away from returning to the championships next year. They're just that one signing. And that's where I think they, they kind of dangerous. Took- they would be dangerous. And it's a little frustrating to me as a Warriors They'd be dangerous, fan. but they're not the Lakers yet. Yeah. But so they're not the Lakers when they're fully healthy. We're going to see just, what names are shopped around. Mm-hmm, so it's yeah. going to be it's going to be very important because some names could send some teams over the top, like a Vucevic, a center from Orlando. If he goes to, say, a big team like the Clippers or the Lakers, I mean, it could send them to the top of the West. So we're going to see what names kind of float around here. Yeah. Hey, listen, this was, uh, this was a real interesting show. This was our first time putting our faces to the voice. And yep. I want to thank everybody. Check us out all the time. Comment. Send us your thoughts. Check out the latest sports buzz all the time on Caesar and the Wise Guy podcast. Yeah. 